Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yes! What is up, everybody? Welcome to Chad Marshall's favorite podcast. It's Soccer with Truth. We're all wearing hats today. I'm Jimmy Trashman, Cream Cheese. El Guapo, Conrad, Daniel Conrad, also known as Jim, alongside Hollywood Harry, also known as Heath Pierce, and Charlie Chuckwagon, Zimmerman, Davies. And on today's episode, boys, this is a special surprise. We have a very special guest joining us, I didn't tell either one of you, to talk about the U.S. Men's National Team calendar for the next 18 months, which sees us playing in the Nations League, the Gold Cup, more Nations League, bride, Copa America, bride bride. more Nations League. Probably a lot of fun friendlies, preferably outside of the United States, just to mix it up because all the other games will be here. And that special guest is McBride. no one. No one. I was kidding. The U.S. Men's National <laughs> Team have no sporting director. They've got no general manager. They've got no coach. So we have no one to talk about who's leading us and how we want to play, who we're going to lead on to get us to where we want to go, which is total world domination, of course. That's where we want to end up, which means it's up to us three to decide what we want out of this next year and a half for the team. The next two big meaningful games are in March in the Nations League against Granada and El Salvador. We got to win that to get to the Nations League final, which happens in June. Also, the Gold Cup will be happening this summer as well. Those are the only like official games on the calendar. Heath, I'll come to you. We have two games done. I don't know if you want to talk about a little takeaway from those two games, what we learned. I feel like we talked about that a little bit. Maybe just look forward to what we can glean from that and who we want to take with us to March. And it looks like Anthony Hudson's going to be the coach. And uh, everything's fine. Everything's fine right now. <laughs> oh, Charlotte, 147, 148, 149. I'm just counting Jimmy's intro. Uh, <laughs> it was a good one, though. You guys it, were it was really good. You no, yeah, it, it, it was, was an awesome it was intro. Good. But it was. He, yeah, it's had nice to, go to hear your voice. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah, I started to get nervous. I was waiting so long. I was like, man, dude, how do I follow this up? But uh, I, I think, you know, in reflection of that camp and looking forward, obviously, Jimmy, you mentioned how busy the calendar is going to be. Uh, I, I'm really excited to have, uh, cause again, we talk about a lot of these players in a January camp and we talked about in the last, in the last show about the difference between going from a January camp to another camp, the intensity of that. And now we're going to be seeing, and I don't always, I, I'm kind of on the fence in terms of like having this much official competition all the time. Uh, cause you don't always get friendlies and sometimes you want friendlies to be able to work through things or try things differently, but I'm excited to see some of these, this young crop of players, maybe only a few of them start to play in games of consequence for the national team and just really get a more of a measuring stick as to where they're at. But overall, um, it's really hard to judge off of like a week of being in camp together and, and that sort of, and then, and then play a couple games with, with, with mixed lineups. Now, now Charlie, talk to me about, like, is this too many games? When we look at the calendar, right? We threw together or felt like we threw together this January camp and cobbled a, a roster together based on a whole bunch of different factors of who is available and who isn't. 
there's a lot of games that are upcoming for the team mixed in with the club stuff as well. And we'll get into the CONCACAF Comey Bowl combination, which includes the Copa America, but also a club competition as well, just to add on to everything else. Do the players ever need to rest? Because it doesn't seem like summers are going to slow down for them anytime soon. <laughs> Vacation's overrated. Unless you're permanently on vacation like Charlie, then like that's yeah, more that's of a true, lifestyle. That's true. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's a mentality, Jimmy. It's a it mentality. Is. It is. Uh, it is. It's a choice. It's a, it's yeah. a life choice. No, uh, and you, we, we all know rest is extremely important because you can't go 24 seven, no matter how much money they're getting paid, you still need a break. You still need to decompress both physically and mentally. It, that that's the only way you're going to have incredible performances season after season. If, if, is if you have these breaks and you don't have these injuries that pop up during the season. So um, you, you need a break. You need a break. Does it have to be three months? No. But I definitely say I'm used to, um, I'm, I'm sure Heath as well, you experience this, you get a month maximum when you're playing national team games and you're playing cl- club games. And that's probably on, on, the, on the bigger side, probably close to like two weeks of really doing nothing and just hanging out. But then, you know, you're back running, you're back doing workouts with your strength and conditioning coach, and then you're back overseas. So I didn't have one of those Heath. That yeah. sounds like a Charlie Billy billionaire problem. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, you run on her own. Yeah, you got to be able to write off all this stuff, you know. When you you got <laughs> when you fly when you fly you a twelve seater, you, you can't be alone on the twelve seater all the time, you know. You got to bring the team with you, you know. <laughs> got to have the nutritionist. You got to have the yeah. chef. Okay, so so when we look at this calendar, mm-hmm. the Nations League final is going to be it hasn't. There's no official dates, but it's saying June. So you have semifinal. Uh, I think which in, which like on CBS, a Wednesday CBS owns. Yes, so so, so be able to get to see Chuck in particular we'll, doing his we'll thing. We'll all be there, no? I don't. I I hope Jimmy and I. I hope. Jimmy and I are 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 pushing hard for that. We know you'll we be. Are, there, we are. We we know that you're going to be there. We're happy. But we got to bring this pod there, is what I'm saying. Well, yes, we we want to bring the John Madden bus. Like we want to have an Insoc yeah. Trust bus. <laughs> I like that that I'll goes meet you guys to one there. location. Yeah. That would be amazing. Amazing. Well, you, hopefully we can just there. borrow one of the one of one of yours, Chuck. Oh yeah. But yeah. but so Charlie's it's going like, to be interesting. Bus? Are you kidding me? Like I, <laughs> I'll never. I'm never doing a bus again. You know, plane. Yeah. You said travel bus? Yeah, that's a <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so you have probably mid-June. Well, actually, well, let me look at the Gold Cup. Gold Cup goes from June 24th to July 16th. That is set. So the Nations League semis and final are going to probably be before that. What I find hilarious is if you're just getting into U.S. men's national team uh, and you're a fan of it, you're like, wait, so they're going to play probably Mexico and Costa Rica, and, and, and then two weeks later they're going to play in a tournament? Call the gold cup and do it again. Like then it's crazy. So, so are we going to take like the, the a squad for both of those competitions? Keith, what do you think? Do you, we, we, we got to lock in the nation's league once again, because we are the reigning champs. Mm-hmm. And, and last time around we didn't, we took a, a, a different team to the gold cup, but I'm feeling maybe this year, because this could be our first tournament with a proper manager. So we hire well, somebody Well, I, before you even go technically, we wouldn't have to win the gold cup now because we are automatically in a confederations cup, right? So Mexico, us and Canada wouldn't really need to win a gold cup to play in confederations cup. Correct. Yeah. Cause that's what it's cup, important for. Right. Yeah. It doesn't exist anymore though. I think they stopped the confederations cup. Yeah. That, oh. that, yeah. 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 I know. Charlie, Charlie, where were you in 2021? Yeah. <laughs> there was there was no Confederations Cup. I, I, I missed the memo. I missed yeah. that memo. 
Jeez, we know you get a lot of memos. No, of yeah, originally stuff. it was that because if you remember, they had that playoff game when they each won one before. But yeah, they got they got they got rid of that. Um, but yeah, it, it's it, it's it's hard, man. Like balancing, I've never seen when there's anything even close to two two summer schedules where you can keep uh, a full team together or even a lengthy one just because of the amount of time and. While I like the idea of more national team games, more competitions, I mean, most of this is built around business, right? We, we know like club competitions built around business, uh, national team competitions built around business and revenue. And we know that. And we all benefit from that and the players benefit and whatever. But like it starts to create a really condensed schedule that's really complicated when, when it comes to the needs of a national team coach and what he wants to accomplish or she wants to accomplish. And then on, on, on the, on the club side, what, what a club coach wants and protecting their players and the assets who are generally paying the, the 99% of their wages. Right. And it gets really complicated uh, in the end with all that. So I don't love it. Uh, and I, so therefore I think there will be, have to be some, well, again, maybe we don't have a GM and we just go rogue and we say, Hey, everyone's playing all the time. We don't, we don't have any, we no longer have any contact with clubs uh, at the moment. And uh, we play with with our with our best team throughout all of our comp- competitions, but I, I highly doubt that that's the case. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting, and it could be a good opportunity for some of the players that we liked in the January camp that we thought wanted to see a little bit more of. They could get that opportunity in the Gold Cup. So let's talk. That's this summer. The following summer, though, with this this merger of Comey Bowl and Concacaf to get the Copa America, there's. Uh, Quite a thing, quite a few things going on. So, as they like to say, it's a strategic partnership, right? There's a lot of synergy there for all you corporate people that like that. There's going to be uh, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There'll be a new club tournament too, which I think is interesting. So, before we get into the Copa America, they're going to create a club tournament that starts in 2024 that has the two best teams from North America taking on the two best teams from South America. And I like that. Now, it's just a matter of how they determine who gets those spots with the league's cup now starting in 2023. I think it would be pretty cool to have the winner of the league's cup, which is only Mexico and the U S and Canada. So those other, that's not a conca. That's not a conca. I I know, I know, I know, but that would be, this is built to fight the CONCACAF competitions. Like this is like U S soccer and CONCACAF will always have a healthy tension because U S soccer is like the, the giant in CONCACAF, but CONCACAF has, has their own goals and sets of, of the 39, I think it's 39 nations that they have their 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 representation of sure that they're not always at uh they're not as always on the same linear pathway of 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 solving the the issues for each okay no no that's totally fair and i think that concacaf should be in place to make that happen but it just would be cool if there was a carrot mm. also to dangle for the league's cup that the winner of that got one of these spots and then you have the winner of the concacaf champions that gets one of those spots which will definitely nice. happen right and then from the south america side you have the winner of the copa Libertadores. And you have the winner of the Copa Sudamericana, which is like the Europa League of South America. And Leaper de Doris is the Champions League. And you have your four teams. So I'm very curious to see how that works out. But I'm glad they're doing this, Chuck, because to say that you're the best team in the Americas is something I think that should have been happening a long time ago. Uh, Yeah, it it should. Um, And that's, I think, the only way that's going to continue to push our game in, in this country is getting a taste of talent and and the top competition all the time being tested so i'm all about it i'm all for it again it's just figuring when when you have the time to to conduct a competition like this yeah i don't know i don't know when that's going to happen also the fifa club world cup 
which we will talk about because the Seattle Sounders will play this weekend at the winner of Auckland City and Ali, who play, I think, either or midweek. So, so we'll get into that a little bit. But the FIFA Club World Cup will expand in 2025. And I believe the winner of MLS goes, gets an automatic spot because it's expanded to 32 teams, if I'm not mistaken. So, so that's that'll also play into how this type of competition in 2024, when it begins, Heath gets going. I like it though. I mean, to be able to play meaningful mm-hmm. games against big teams from South America is important because usually we only get those teams in friendlies. And I just think yeah. it kind of raises the level and continues to Charlie's point, push MLS clubs, Mexican league clubs into a space where they're always being challenged to get better. I mean, even, even for me, like, and, and Jimmy, I know that you're, you are, you are going to be a, a, you are an owner of a team that's playing in the million dollar prize tournament, which I'll let you elaborate on. But what I'm yes. saying about that is, is that it's a significant amount of money. Right. And therefore you draw a completely, we've seen like formations from Liga Mekis owners, like putting teams in and things like, like you're seeing this draw. And and what I'm trying to connect the, the dots on is that a club competition with two North, uh, two CONCACAF and two Conmebol teams is only significant if there's a lot of money at play for the mm-hmm. players, for the teams, for the clubs. We've seen that the more you drive that, the more interested there is, the more marketing dollars that go behind it, the more that you bring people together and you create the significant the significance as opposed to those teams going like okay i've got leagues cup i've got mls i've got the potential of of the the playoffs on 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 a long season now i've got this other club competition you know i i need to prioritize and therefore when you put that into a ranking system it's gonna have to go towards a number of things right Uh, Mm -hmm. that include the players in in the club that it has to have significance so that you play the best team so it's a great competition because on paper that sounds amazing but in actuality, when you got to slide that into a Wednesday in between three other competitions, does it fall to the to the to the bottom? I hope it doesn't because it has enough mechanisms to make it or 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 is prioritized uh, in a way that that makes it significant um, and isn't just something that we say, oh, ten years down the road, this is going to be huge, you know? Right, 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 right. Yeah, a lot of questions still need to have a lot of answers, but I like that it's in place, and I do think the calendar is going to be interesting and. The high seas of uh, trying to navigate that will be, I think, difficult as as MLS is adding competitions as well, as we spoke about the League's Cup. All right, let's talk about Copa America, though. All mm-hmm. 10 South American teams, Charlie, are in, and we're going to get six CONCACAF teams that will be in. I think because the U.S., Canada, and Mexico are hosting the 2026 World Cup, uh, and, and U.S. is hosting Copa America, they're going to get an automatic one a bit into this. So they don't necessarily have to qualify, but everybody else will have to go through from what I understand, the 2023, 24 nations league qualification. So we can expect Mexico, Canada, most likely Costa Rica. And then there's opened up to those two spots. Can it be a Jamaica? Can it be an El Salvador? Can it be Panama? Who is obviously trying to recycle a lot of their old players and get back in Costa Rica too, I guess is doing the same. So it'll be interesting to see who gets those other two spots, but a big time tournament, not only for the players and those countries, but also for the host cities that are going to get like a nice little taste of what the World Cup's going to be like in 2026. Well, I, I just look at probably the top seven in, in Colombo, Brazil, Argentina, Uruguay, Ecuador, Peru, Colombia, Chile. And you could, I mean, Paraguay, Bolivia, and Venezuela are not the strongest, but they're they're capable of, of breaking you down, right? So mm-hmm. I, this, I mean, we've already talked about how important this competition is, but for the U.S. men, you know, Tyler Adams, Yunus Musa, Wes McKinney, Christian Pulisic, for players of that caliber, Matt Turner, 
playing Brazil, Argentina, and Uruguay in particular, those three, with the attacking talent that they have and depth, you have to figure out different ways to win games because you can't right, possess right. the ball. I love that. I, I, I'm all in for this. I, I'm yeah. so pumped about this. This is this is massive for, for U.S. soccer. Okay, so I, I agree with you 100%. And I do like your your thought about having to solve different problems based on the opponent. I think that's super important. And, and obviously, we ran into a little bit of a stumbling block against the Netherlands in the round of 16, something to build off of for our guys in terms of trying to solve a problem. They took away the width. Okay, cool. And let's see if we can hurt them down the middle. Maybe didn't do that as well as we would have liked. So there was a question that we got before the show, Heath. Which Colmy Bowl team, which team in South America, is most comparable to the U.S. men's national team? And... I actually had to think on this. If you want me to go first, I'm happy to do so. But, but, um, you're gonna say Uruguay or Chile? No, I, I actually go with Ecuador. Okay. Ecuador has a lot of young players. I think they're, they almost got out of the round or out of the group stage. They drew with Netherlands in the group, Group A, in the World Cup in Qatar. They beat Qatar. They drew with Netherlands 1 1. And all they had to do was get a draw against Senegal in their last game. And they gave up that goal 20 minutes left to Koulibaly, whose first ever goal for Senegal. But they were in that game. Now, they're heavily reliant on Enner Valencia, who's like 75 years old. He's like my age. He played back in the 1950 World Cup as well. <laughs> and he just scores goals every time he plays. But when I look at their younger players, they've got a lot of, like, Incapier, who plays at Bayer Leverkusen, 24-year-old center back. You have uh, Stupignan, who plays at Brighton. He's 25. You have uh, Moises Caicedo. The whole team plays at Brighton. Yeah, they, they all, all play, play basically play yeah. at Brighton. <laughs> and, and, and they're just super talented, Ecuador, across yeah. the board. And I think this experience for their young players in 2022 is really going to bode well for 24 and Copa America in 26 as well. So so I kind of liken us to them because yeah. you can see they're on the precipice of really taking a big step. And I think we're the same. And I don't we can't compare ourselves to Brazil and, and Argentina. Yeah. And I, when I look at Uruguay and Chile, like – they're just moving past an older generation and trying to recycle. So it felt like Ecuador might be the best fit. Colombia might be another one, though, right? Yeah. You have a lot. Of I mean, I, I think, I, yeah, but I think Colombia generally have 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 more, um, what I think is technical ability than than the U.S. does um, o- over time. I mean, now again, we're talking about a new generation, mm. so maybe I'm stuck in the old ways. But my 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 thing about. When when I think about when I I don't mean more technical I don't mean more technical ability than the U.S. like player for player, but I mean from a style of play they want to be more technical than the than the U.S. is at the moment, right? I, in terms of a system or a style of play, I don't mean actual player for player like abilities. Whereas the U.S., I think when you start to look at again, you take out Brazil and and Argentina out of Conmebol. I would love to see the U.S. in in that type of uh, environment because the grit, the fight that you'll get from a Uruguay, that you'll get from a Paraguay, that you'll get from from a a Ecuador, like you mentioned, from a Peru. Like you're talking, th- these are difficult environments that they go into, and the style of play, they're very very physical. Um, and I and I really like that about. But I think the U.S. also is a physical team, and we've always had that physical DNA in us. Uh, it's just a matter of being able to now against another team that wants to be physical, how do we dictate the style against them? If they want to be physical, how do we become a little more technical and control the flow of the game a little bit? And so I like the Ecuador shout. I like the Columbia shout. I I, I personally like, you know, even when I'm thinking about like um, a Uruguay, um, just again, more less so like these teams that it's, it's hard to separate. Um, I put a lot of those teams actually into the category with the U.S., versus versus a Argentina or Brazil who are going to not only be physical, but also dictate the game, control the flow of the game, that type of thing. Um, 
I'm not I'm not sure where where you think Charlie in terms of who the US most 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 resembles in Conmebol. In well in terms of us seeing them play against Uruguay and Colombia, right? We saw them play last year against Uruguay what that looked like in the summer and then Colombia just now in this January camp and of course it was a young US team but also a very young Colombia team. So I think when the US are at their best they're very comparable to to an Uruguay. I think it'd be that'd be a great match in terms of um, two two top teams, but they're not Argent. You know, U.S. doesn't have a Lionel Messi is what it comes down to, right? So, Argentina, the difference between Argentina and the World Cup versus a lot of teams was Lionel Messi. He was the difference maker, uh, and then Brazil. They're just they have so many attacking options and and Casimiro holding it down the midfield is just a, a well-established team. They have talent all over the roster in every single spot, but they obviously didn't play well as a team. They didn't defend well as a team in the transition game is what ultimately made them pay the price because they, they weren't, they were attacking with six, defending with four, attacking with five, defending with five. And it just, it wasn't fluid. Um, but we don't, I, I think at times we don't give the U.S. enough credit, and at times I think we give them too much credit. So we just have to find a, a good line. But remember, our group is still growing. Uh, we have, you know, I, I could say at least nine, ten players who has still have a lot left to go to fulfill their potential, you know, whereas we've seen players who are, are as good as they're going to get, right? They're playing, you know, a Walker Zimmerman, for instance. He's not going to get that. He's at his peak. Like we can't expect to, for him to take this massive jump. Whereas Yunus Musa, Serginho Dest, even Christian Pulisic, they can they can take it up a whole nother notch. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're just waiting for that to happen. They have to be in the, the obviously the right club environment, but also stay healthy. <laughs> that's a that's a big one. All right. For everybody that wants to join in on this conversation, hit us up on Twitter, ISWT Pod. Which South American team do you think? is most comparable to the U.S. men's national team. And obviously hit us up on the YouTube comments as well. We'd like to get your thoughts. All right, so there was something you said, Heath, about physicality being in our DNA. And I paused and thought about that and processed it while I'm listening. Maybe that's not the right word. No, no, no. I, right. But I'm just saying, like, I, do, when I look at this group, I don't, I don't physically. Have you seen Charlie's not- thighs? That man <laughs> likes to get into a scrap, dude. Dude, those are crazy. Charlie, was, Charlie was the number one on his JV wrestling team, dude. Yeah, Quadzilla, dude. Quadzillas. But hey, uh, wrestling is a no joke. I'll tell you that right now. I, I just, I just, when I think about this group, I don't think physical. And, and I think that's a good thing. I'm glad we're evolving from that, <laughs> that particular stereotype of, of, yeah, they're just known for fight and scrap. And I think you need to have that, right? Even the top teams, even the Argentinas that just won the World Cup, they have that. But they also have the element and the ability to put the ball down on the on the ground and play. And and as you mentioned, but, Messi, having Messi helps out a lot. I, I would just say, in terms of European coaches and, and and scouts that I've come across in my in my lifetime, they're always super excited about the American player because of the work ethic. So right. yes, you have the athleticism, which typically is is amongst the best in the world. Uh, and the fight, the physicality, because they're used to it. It's that working class blue collar feel that they think of when when thinking about American athletes. But it's the work ethic. They feel any American that comes overseas, they have this work ethic. They they didn't make it yet. They're trying to make it. So they're coming, they're scrapped, they're gonna fight, they're gonna do all the extra training. Whereas some some of the, the local talent, 
and I can I can speak in in terms of uh, some of the younger talent in front in France that I that I that I've seen. Super gifted. I mean, incredible technical ability and, and and tactically, but sometimes don't have the work ethic. And there's so many of those players that just fall through because they've they've had it so easy for so long and haven't really had to push themselves. And finally, when they have to push themselves, they're like mm, I'm good. Whereas the American player goes over and they just want to fight and fight. And they maybe lack the, the technical ability a little bit or the tactical, which we see a lot of players go over and they go, oh, I wasn't I wasn't aware of of how important tactics are and your body positioning and and where you are on the field and how that makes your job easier and makes your team's job easier. So I think that's starting to slowly change because we have a lot of, I think, better qualified coaches now in, in the, the youth setup in this country. But more importantly, our youth are going over to Europe at a much earlier age, which obviously we're seeing the, the benefits of. So there's a comment here, Heath, from S27. What's up, S, who says, American players tend to be humble so tend to be more coachable. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't know if Americans are more coachable. I think I think I think we're getting into an era of level of players that players know they're good from a young age, and it's going to come down to each of the players and and the environments and their personality types. I don't think that we are a DNA of person that just makes us coachable because we've all played with plenty of uncoachable players. Yeah. Um, but I do think there is a culture of team that comes into the American mentality of growing up in team sports and being in team environments. And also very, very, I don't want to say rarely, but our story isn't always for the American player of a rags to riches uh, where that selfishness is on a, on a level of survival. Right. Um, so I think there's just a different type of aspect. I think of that, of, of the American type of player. So I agree with that in a lot of ways, but yeah, it's, I don't want to, I don't want to slap a, um, kind of a, a stamp on, on slap on it, Heath, player. slap it. We slap, want you to put the stamp. More, we want more stereotypes, <laughs> more stereotypes, slap that. I was going to say something. You know, that's going right in social media. The, the uh, you slap, yeah. slap. <laughs> stamp, stamp. It. All right. All right, everybody. We're going to take our first and only break of in soccer. We trust when we come back, we'll talk about Weston McKinney making that move to Leeds permanence. We'll talk about Juve losing without him, And we'll get into some more Americans abroad news. And of course, talk about our Seattle Sounders being the MLS club at the FIFA world cup. If they do well for 90 minutes and get the victory in that first game, they get to play Real Madrid and what a treat that would be for all of us. And for them, of course, what a life experience. So do not go anywhere. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, baby. Welcome back to In Soccer We Trust. Just want to remind everybody to not miss out on any of the Serie A action this season. You can follow some of the biggest stars in the sports 
and the most handsome ones as well, like Olivier Giroud, Rafael Leao, and Lataro Martinez as they try to lead their teams to the Scudetto. We didn't name any Napoli players. Maybe we should because they're looking like they're running away with it. So how will the table change going forward? Which club has the best chance of winning it all? I just said it, Napoli. Which clubs have the most to lose? Find all the answers and stream every match from Italy's top soccer league live only on Paramount+. Plus, and you can try one month free with promo code SERIA, S-E-R-I-E-A, baby. So, yeah, go enjoy it. Napoli running away with it. I do want to say that Napoli do have a tendency of stro- uh, choking down the stretch. Yeah, I got a big old gap right now, though, and no one's on fire. So, I'm big. they're going to. They're gonna, yeah. they're gonna, it looks good. It looks good. And, and, you know, and I love, I, I love I, Mourinho talking trash to, to about Victor Oshiman saying, you know, hey, he's he's like Drogba, but he dives too much. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like a back- backhanded compliment. Yeah. You're like off the, chest, off the thigh but banger, really. like, and then just yeah. please sit down, you know? Yeah. Uh, Victor Osman, a special player. As long hey, as Napoli stays healthy, here, they're going to run away with it. I got a question for you guys. Would would um, would Chuki be the first CONCACAF player to win Syria? Oh. CONCACAF player. Um, I, know, like, I, know, I, I, know, I know Alexi didn't. <laughs> yeah, Alexi got really <laughs> When Gooch was contra- contracted with um, AC Milan, did they win? That's I a good question. When he was under contract, they, they I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that was like during the ten-year run of unless you, Juve was out back then. Um, but, yeah, I think Juve they won nine straight, right? Yeah, I don't know. We'll take we'll take a look at that. But let's talk about another American that was in Serie A, Weston McKinney, who just left to go join Leeds in the Premier League. And Juve lost 2-0 to Monza, who just got recently promoted from oh, the second Inter. division in Italy. Oh, uh, no, Milan. So, Milan won. He was part of, part oh, of the Gooch was part of it? There 2010 we go. to 2011, Milan. Dang. Did he actually him. play? Did Gooch play in any games for Milan? I don't think he did play any games. Yeah, I think he got hurt. And when he was available, they didn't go with him. But uh, yeah. But Weston McKinney, he's now in England. He's mm-hmm. at Leeds. It's all popping off. Very excited to see how he's going to perform. Do you think Jesse Marsh starts him right away, Charlie Davies? <laughs> yes, because he's you do. I do because he's been playing. It's this isn't a player who's not fit, not in form, or you know hasn't is coming out of shape. He's playing consistently with Juve in Syria. So you, I think he's going to play right away. I don't know if he's going to start right away, but he's definitely going to be playing. I think in the first game. Yeah, they play Nottingham Forest this Sunday, so that'll be a game to watch. That kicks off at nine a.m. Eastern time. They play Manchester United next Wednesday and then Manchester Ooh. United again following Sunday. Everton just got uh, Sean Deitch in, so they're going to be a little bit more difficult to break down with Frank Lampard out. You got Southampton, Chelsea, Brighton, Wolves. Like, There's no easy games from here on out as they just scrape right above the relegation zone. Heath, what what, what should our expe- expectations be of Weston McKinney, especially for the first few weeks? I mean, that's the thing about Weston that I, that I like is that if, if you... If you asked me about six or seven of our best 11 in in our national team, I would give you specific leagues where I think they they could do best. But where I see Weston, I he can play anywhere on any I, I he can be a contributor on any team. The downside to that is I don't think Weston can be the star on Leeds, right? I think he can be another guy that helps and maybe it is and they are a very de- data-driven club that it is the incremental gains that they need to keep them in the league or to get a little bit better, right? They have not the XG, but like the next generation of uh, of data and insights. That's basically like he can get us X, Y, and Z over a season, which can increase our point totals. Like that type of 
uh, level, he is that le- kind of contributor, right? In terms of uh, balls, one turnovers, like setting up attacks. And so I, I think he can be uh, a huge contributor to this team, a starter in this team, obviously. Um, but, but again, I, I, it's hard because I don't outside of maybe a couple of set pieces, you're not going to see his name on the headlines. I don't think, uh, in terms of like his contributions over the next couple of months, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm kind of curious. I just want to make sure Dirty that work. for our audience though, just so they understand that it's going to, there is a transitional period. He's playing a completely different style, playing in a different league. And there is an adaptation adaptation process that I think needs to happen as he starts to understand where he needs to move and how he needs to move within what Jesse Marsh wants. Now, I think it's going to be easier because he's around players that he's familiar with, with Tyler and Brendan. And, and uh, I don't think he's ever worked with Jesse before, but hopefully that transition will be very smooth. All right, let's move it over to Luca De La Torre. Got the start in Spain. For Celta de Vigo, and he assisted Iago Aspas, who I absolutely love. That player dominates for Celta. A 1-0 win. And he's had a few starts now, which is nice. Which is nice. And and yeah. he's a 4-4-2, and he's playing on the left side of that 4-4-2. But it looks like they like him to, to, to pinch in a little bit and uh, be more central when he can. That said, I love it. I love that he's getting minutes. I love that he's contributing Charlie Davies. This is a good sign for an American in midfield in Spain. You got that right. Uh, I I think our midfield, though, is just so deep. So you're trying to figure out, going into this next one, a, a player like, uh, you know, Richie Ledesma, who I think deserves an opportunity to get called in and, and see what he can do. Now that Ernie Stewart's going to PSV, maybe we get an opportunity to, to see him. Um, you know, uh, I just feel like that there's so much depth that, if you don't start playing consistently and, and contributing, it's going to be very hard to get called in. And I think we're going to get to that point once we do have a national team manager. The only way you do get called in was similar to how we were back in the day. Not only do you have to be playing, you have to be in form and, and mm-hmm. producing. Mm-hmm. Um, so or play, I, at Le- or play at Leeds. Or play at or Leeds. Or play at Leeds. <laughs> that helps. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I, I just think... That when but, you but have th- more players about, playing in yeah. Serie A, in La Liga, and in, in the English Premier League, it's just going to over, make the the overall unit that much do you, stronger. Do you, Jimmy, do you think critical mass when we think about re- almost reaching that point, right? If so many players playing a big cup, do you think critical mass it will be represented in our best eleven, or in the fact that like our depth is now we've got a player playing at a good club and he can't get a call up because of course he can't because there's three players in front of him that are also at big clubs. Like, do you think critical mass is like, hey, our best 11 is, you know, at a certain level or is mass based on the fact that like, we talked about Ariola still being uh, valuable. We talked about Kellen Acosta, but we know that there's another, le- there's a gap between Kellen Acosta and Tyler Adams. That's, that's, I think yes. it's pretty significant, right? Yeah, right. I want to see Kevin Paredes too. I mean, that's, that's yeah, right. for sure. Someone who's just starting to come along All in the of our best Liga. players are wingers. This is a problem guys. We need these. Well, that's, well, it is. Or, well, there's something about De La Torre then, because I think that to use him as an example, he's a contrast to the midfielders that we do have. There's no one that settles the game like he does in the same way. Musa brings some incredible gifts, and and I'm going to talk about Musa here in a second because Gennaro Gattuso, his coach at Valencia, just got sacked, and and I wonder how that's going to impact Musa moving forward. He they lost the Real Valladolid uh, this a couple of days ago, and and he gets sacked. But I'll give a shout out to Gattuso. He's been with he's been on the Musa train from the get go. Yes, and he put has. him and put him in in a good spot to actually 
attack a little bit more, be higher up the field. And I think that's really allowed Eunice to take another step in his development. So I'm hopeful that whoever comes in is thinking the same thing about Eunice. And I don't know how you can. He seems so undeniable to me, his talent. But you never know. Some managers just have their things and maybe they want to go with more experience in that area of the field. And, and we'll see how that all plays out. We'll keep everybody posted, of course. But what I like about De La Torre is he does provide a little something different. And I think that contrast to your question, Heath, is going to be important in team building so that we don't just have replications of the same guy that can already do a certain thing. Can they bring a little bit something different? That's why I think the left back spot is is still somewhat open. Now, Anthony's got it, of course, and he's been good, and he continues to get better see, with Paul. He's, he's getting linked with Man City now? Yeah, which is awesome. Oof. Well, now with uh, Joao Cancelo going to Bayern, they have an option to and, and room to bring in somebody that's good at attacking. When you're at City, you really don't have to defend, right? You have the ball 90% of the time, and Anthony would fit in great in that particular system. But I still think there's room for a guy that can hit a deep cross or a cross from deep and and – and has some different characteristics to Anthony so that we have that. If we play an opponent that is like the Netherlands sitting back, taking away that space in behind, especially out wide, we have somebody that is just excellent at dropping dimes into the back post or just can hit wherever they, they're so pinpoint in their crosses. And we don't have that either. When we see the Jonathan Gomez's, John Tolkien to a certain extent, I didn't see any of that. And I think that's just an example. And I think De La Torre is a contrast as well. Keith, you want to chime in? I mean, I was just thinking I got caught up on Chuck talking about uh, Anthony to Man City. I mean, that's a big jump uh, for where he's at. And I'm super excited about it. But like when I think about it, I wasn't I wasn't hot on Zinchenko when he got to City. And then you watch him over time. You're like, man, that guy is he is a baller, you know, (laughs) and then you watch him more and more. And like you I mean, you see that him like kind of come in as a young player and you're like, ah, is it really like because he wasn't a big city name? And then you see him kind of just rise and you're like, man, quality on the ball, technical ability, passing ability, you know, speed and transition, like all those types of things. Anthony has the bubble, like has the potential in a lot of those spaces, but I still think that he's, he's a little bit raw and rough, but again, we got to push our players into those environments to see, can can you go? I would say Kyle Walker was, was pretty raw. um, Yeah. Before he went, before he went there and I mean, John Stones, you could even say, was that way. They go to City under Guardiola, and, I mean, they developed. They I mean, Gareth Bale was super raw as, as a left back before he went from, what was Southampton, right, to, to Spurs. Mm-hmm. He was complete. Yeah. I think he went for a couple million, and, and that was it because uh, he was unheard of and completely raw in that same, same regard and then made a, <laughs> a massive jump. Okay, so let's talk about Florian Balogun. He uh, ended up salvaging a point for Reims. Is that how I say it, Chuck? With a sure. with with a last minute equalizer versus PSG. So what we is gotta, the West? We got to get this guy. <laughs> yeah, like how, what, what is what do we have to do to get this guy to commit? I, I assume the guys that he knows hopefully are sending him texts, you know, through uh, through any chat messaging thing they want to use to get him to commit. But. He seems to be the real deal and continues to prove that, Chuck, as our resident number nine. Your thoughts? Yeah, we got to do whatever it takes to get him to commit. And I just feel if you're a player and maybe your goal is to break into England and you believe in yourself, you're you're playing in, in Liga and scoring goals and, and showing that you you got the quality, but you're never going to displace Harry Kane. It's just not going to happen. And Harry Kane has a, another three, four, five years of playing as the as the nine and they only play with one nine as long as Gareth Southgate is there, then why wouldn't you 
right. come and play with your boy Eunice Musa. Well, you're not going to displace anybody on a mid table as a mid table, like playing for a mid table team in Liga for the no. English national team. You know nope. what I mean? Like, right. I, I think it's amazing what he's doing, but like, it's not like he's super young. He's and, not even displaced Tammy it, you know, Abraham, right? And it, yeah. Tammy Abraham didn't make the World Cup team. So, you know, it's there are levels. And I think he, he, if he came to the United States and played for us, it would it would be massive, and he, he could essentially maximize his potential playing internationally. So, do you think that we just need England to continue to not call him in for for us to get that opportunity? Because I feel like that's essentially what that's what that's what happened with Jermaine Jones, right? Right, right. Mm-hmm. So, he, I, he, how he was long, committed I mean, to I mean, Germany until Maligan, they, they Fuller Maligan's twenty one years old, so he can wait a little bit. But when I think about what Italy is doing. You know, they have the Euros in 24, but they have Euro qualify. I mean, to you guys' point, there's they have plenty of other options. They don't necessarily yeah. need a Balogun. And then when you have the emergence of like a Bukayo Saka, who they don't play the same spot, but they occupy the same area of the fields, right? And and if you think you have somebody who's already a like for like that you're already using and he's already having success and you have other guys that are coming through, you have a Marcus Rashford who's on fire right now, oh. arguably one of the best players in the world. And you have, you know, you have all these other guys that are Eddie Nketiah. Oh, he's been unbelievable as well. Right. So, so, so I think that Balogun has already fallen through the cracks in terms of a long-term pitcher with the three lions. So I wonder when the, when the squeeze is, when is the squeeze going to come for him? And can we get him on the show and put even more pressure on him? That's really the big thing here. Let's get, (laughs) let's get get him on the show. Let's get Fuller and Balogun in the show. Uh, I, I just, I just got the confirmation though of, of someone joining our show in the near future. Okay, who do you got? Uh, you said that a couple yeah. weeks you ago, said, Charlie. Yeah, yeah. Yes. no, but Michael finally, Michael. finally got the the go ahead. Okay, okay. Olivier Giroud. Giroud's gonna come on. Olivier Giroud. I can't. I don't know. Show. You know what? I don't know if my if our egos collectively can yeah, handle somebody more handsome on the show. I don't think Olivier Giroud's uh, gonna be comfortable being the fourth most handsome person <laughs> on, show been on. So you know that might be new for him. But he's never been on our show before. So he hasn't been and, on our show. And, and, and uh, a guest who is uh, in charge or one of the assistant coaches for um, the team that the Seattle Sounders will be, play, be playing in the Club World Cup. Wow. Look at Charlie. Fle- I mean, the flexes are real. One of my right former now. teammates, but yeah. Yeah. The flex, oh, nice. the, the flex is really go. real. All right, let's move on. Way, then, Jimmy, uh, hold on, hold on. Before we move on. Before you want to talk, talk about Balogun? No, no, I want to talk about the coach of Balogun. At Reams. Have you read about this guy? Oh, he's yeah. He yeah. like, oh, doesn't have no. a license yet. Eddie. He doesn't have a they gets fi- He gets fined every game because he doesn't have a license. They find the club <laughs> 20,000 euros every game because he doesn't have a license. And he's just out there just doing his thing. Apparently yes. came from the football manager world. Yes. He's age 30. Yes. Good he old doesn't FM. have any coaches licenses. And he got all of his experience through playing the video game football manager, as he mentioned. Yeah. And he masterminded a plan to get, a obviously, a hard-fought draw against PSG. But yeah, you're right. They get fined every every time because he doesn't have his badges, which is insane. So we'll see. I, imagine some guy who just played football manager his whole life and now he's coaching Liga. That's that's hey, anybody can do it, right? Anybody yeah. can do it. Yeah. Anybody yeah, it can just do shows it. me. It just shows me that every no one knows what they're doing, Jimmy. That's nobody knows. Nobody <laughs> knows. If you're if you're a good person, you can make it work. You can you make it. You yeah. know, just gotta try hard. Okay, so let's talk about uh, Borussia Dortmund. They won a game without needing to bring Gio Reyna off the bench to score the winner and geo didn't come off the bench at all <laughs> i the jokes kind of write themselves here yeah, I, 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 I did not hear anything about burhalter out 
uh, over the weekend uh, because Giorena did not play. Uh, and so it got real quiet in on my Twitter feed when people attack me every time that he plays a game as if I'm not a huge fan of I'm a massive fan of Gio. Uh, but when he doesn't play, it doesn't, it, it got, it, it gets, it gets, it gets really, it gets really, it gets really quiet in the, in, in my, uh, in the direct attacks on me, uh, around, around Gio Reyna cause he didn't play. And then all you the jokes start coming quiet. out on the other side, um, about like, oh, if he doesn't play for Dortmund. Why would he start in the national team? Yeah. I don't know. Chuck. <laughs> no, it's, and, and not only that back to back games with the game winning goal. Yeah. Right. Right. It's like start. he's coming in with momentum. To no burn, yeah. <laughs> it's probably honest, honest to God though. If you look at it, it's that a break, point, for sure, it's a break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's it, he's too break. useful to not to not to not use him, especially in the form that he's in. But you also have to protect him from himself because he's, as the coach said, know. he's not a hundred percent fit. Yeah. So if he's not a hundred percent fit now, how do you think he was in the summer? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, are we talking emotionally, <laughs> physically? What are we talking about? I would above. say, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, Marco, Marco Royce came off the bench here. It looks like he might be rounding into health. That's not going to help Gio's cause in terms of getting minutes. It seemed like the game was in the you know already in control at that point, so they need, need, need to bring him on as a super sub. So the situation didn't arise where they could utilize what he's been good at uh, so far these last couple of weeks. I don't know. It's just... Uh, Gio Reyna watch is still continuing, and we'll see what happens this upcoming week. All right, let's talk about uh, Joe Scally. He played 90 minutes. Uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach, he didn't start the week before. They lost. He starts and plays all 90, and they win 4-1. to one. That's how we where do. Is he, That's how, how we do. Where is he on the depth chart, you think, at, at right back? <clears throat> Resident left back? Yeah. I mean, he's just a guy that... It's shocking to me that he hasn't had a bigger role in the national team with how much he's played over the last year. But again, I think in theory, we want to get to a point where we have all of our young players playing a couple seasons and been being worked into the national team, continuing to prove. And it's not just a spike, right? You go back five, six, seven years ago, anybody who played in any league in Europe was getting a call up to the national team, right? And and when mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. I, I mean like- You mean like 2019? Western or? Europe. <laughs> yeah, like, like, like six weeks ago. Uh, like- and and so I think he is a player that you see a lot of potential. You see him in the national team. He gets called in regularly. He's part of the pool. You get to monitor him and watch him. You know that he's obviously a huge asset to his club team. He's mostly in the lineup, occasionally out. That's exactly what you want for a young player, right? You come into the national team, it shouldn't be guaranteed because he plays in the Bundesliga, right? You check him, you see where he fits in, how he fits in, where his development is. And you know that we brought five, five right backs to the World Cup. Uh, and so he's oh, got to fall one, into that. And so that one still kills me. Yeah, it does. It's crazy. It's it, it's that's in that's insane. But like I I think that his his ranking is going to continue to rise because he's got time on his side, and you start to phase a, a DeAndre Yedlin out of the national team and and players like that. That he's going to get more and more minutes that go along with his performances with his club team, which I think is great. By the way, I think it's a great way in which to bring a player in as opposed to saying, oh, he plays in the Bundesliga, therefore he should start in our national team. You're the guaranteed starter forever because your your club team plays at the higher level than the right the other right back you're competing with his club team. That's oh you taking that sounds like you're taking a shot at Steve Trundolo who played his whole career in the Bundesliga. <laughs> I think got great. Starter for, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, no, I'm Sven, saying he shouldn't Sven, be. Sven oh, is I see, right I see. now. Sven is like I can't even stand for this slander right now. It's like no. taking a shot. All right, now that was a resident outside back. Appreciate that insight. There resident number 9. Let's talk about Ricardo Pepe. He scored this week for Groningen, but it was a 3-2 loss. And they are currently in dead last after a seven-game losing streak uh, in the Eredivisie. 
He's still doing his job, ultimately, but they're not getting the results that they need. And it was 2-1. They were down. He scored the game-tying goal, and then six minutes later, they gave up the lead to lose 3-2. Where do you think Ricardo Pepe fits in this? Do you think that Anthony Hudson, let's just extrapolate the next couple months out for mm-hmm. Ricardo Pepe. If he continues to, to score and to be a difference for his club, whether they get relegated or promoted or stay up or whatever, would you call him in if you're Anthony Hudson? Come on, bro. Uh, of course. I don't know. I don't know. What, how, how, I don't, how could you not? I'm just saying, well, how could you not put him on the World Cup team? It's a, it's a, it's a different situation now. It's a different scenario. The World Cup's the World Cup. And now you hit restart for, for a lot of these guys, especially in the striker position. I mean, Josh Sargent still going to be there. That's without a doubt. I think – That guy's playing winger now. I think Ricardo Pepe <laughs> is a player who comes back into the team and, and you see, you know, some of the other guys, Brent Vasquez, I think, deserves a chance now with, with the A-team and see what that looks like. But What um, about Jordy Pifok? If it went for restarting. Yeah, bring- but Jordy, Jordy Pifok's form has gone <laughs> down the drain. Right. It, it, it's not as – it's not – I think for me it's – but in terms of uh, Jesus Ferreira, like Pepe overtakes Jesus Ferreira. I mean, that, that I think that goes without a doubt. So he's done enough because he's playing consistently. He's scoring goals, and so he should, out he should be brought in. Like Ferreira's done. He at the moment, yeah. But we all know it's it's all about streaks and and catching form and opportunity. So is is as it might be, you know, a guy like Jesus Ferreira is out. You know, a guy like Walker Zimmerman and Aaron Long are out. They can easily get back in if they just perform super consistent and well and just try and get better and in each of their aspects of their game but for me it's all about who are who's playing and who's playing well for you to to get a call up for the national team no no in fact i want ricardo pepe in as well especially if he maintains this form and i think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder anytime Mm -hmm. he comes back in and around the national team and i like that be a good chip or a bad chip though well that's true that's true that's true work yeah so he thoughts on ricardo pepe no, I, again, like he's he's had kind of an ebb and flow of the season. I think he's got seven goals, three assists in in eleven in eleven matches um, for for Groningen. He's 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 contributing in a, in a lot of ways. He's had a couple of games where he he's been off. It's a really hard environment to be in as a striker, and he's doing his job. I think that's a. I think it's a. You said it well, Jimmy. So I think for me, he, he definitely deserves the call up to be back into this mix again. I think summer's going to be an important part of what what his next step is. Right? There's going to be mm-hmm. some people looking at him, watching at him, liking him, wanting to spend money on him. Uh, I just hope he lands in the right spot. That's a little bit. Um, um, I don't mind him being at a relegation type club if he's scoring, but but we know that he was that at Augsburg, and it's a really it can that can also turn on you quickly if you're not ever getting your chances in front of goal. The Dutch league uh, affords you more goal goal scoring opportunities regardless of the team that that, that you're. Uh, playing for but yeah i think he's he's just responding really well it's just going to be a matter of how he comes in attitude wise in the national team to 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 kind of roll up his sleeves and get to work again i assume that if greg berhalter isn't there which we don't expect him to be i think he'll probably walk in with something to prove and that that chip will be more positive than than negative if berhalter was still there i don't know that that gets a little dicey given how he made him feel when not being selected to the roster all right so that is American is abroad. We'd want to say one little thing. We'll get into make this our final thoughts. I do want to remind everybody that we have another show on Thursday. We have a very special guest from the Seattle Sounders that will be joining us ahead of their game on Saturday in the FIFA Club World Cup, the first MLS team to ever be 
in this competition. That is a very big deal. But guys, they're going to take on Al Ali from Egypt or Auckland City from New Zealand. There's no easy games in this competition. Even though you might not know who these teams are, they're good for a reason. They're in this competition for a reason. And I want to make sure that everybody knows that, yes, they have Real Madrid waiting for them if they win this game on Saturday. But there's no guarantees, Chuck. No guarantees. It's an incredible opportunity if they're to to win this game and move on. I know uh, they played Hammerby in a friendly, which Hammerby won 3-2. Oh, I My- scored that. I scored in against Hammerby. <laughs> yeah, of course you did. I, I knew I did. you'd love that. Uh, I, I love, thanks for bringing that up again. I love that. Yeah. So they lost to, to my Swedish club in a friendly. Uh, it seemed to me that they played a lot, a lot of youth in that game anyways. But um, to, to play against Real Madrid, to potentially play against Real Madrid, it's Such what an opportunity, opportunity. For, for Major yeah. League Soccer to um, – continue to grow the brand uh, and for Seattle Sounders in particular, for their fans, for the club to win this game, to get to that next match, massive. So (laughs) I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I wonder Heath, just to talk about this and I know we'll get into it with the, our guests as well. I'm going to tease it for you, but uh, I think everybody will be excited to hear from this particular person Mm -hmm. that all Ali and whoever wins Auckland city, all Ali. They're going to have a little bit of that. We've already got a game under our belt in this tournament. We even see in the MLS playoffs, the teams that play that kind of play in game are a little bit sharper already in that mentality before, you know, before the teams that are been waiting to have it. And I wonder if that works for or against the Seattle Sounders. Uh, what I do know about the Seattle Sounders generally is they are a competition type team. They are a, a cup type of team they are a playoff type of team right they've got a ton of experience that i don't think it hurts them in any way i mean certainly it does from a momentum standpoint but i think they they've got to like their chances and in either of these games of being able to to compete and and put out an effort because they are very good at disrupting style of plays of breaking up style of plays of adjusting to style of plays as well as having their own so i think i think um yeah i i I don't think it's too i don't think it's something that you have to really really stress over in terms of momentum but you definitely have to um acknowledge that yeah, for sure. And I was wearing my very special 2019 MLS World Cup champion hat that I got when Seattle beat Toronto in the MLS Cup. Well, MLS World Cup, that is. This is a collector's item. They were selling them outside of the stadium. The vendors clearly didn't know what the hell's going on and don't know the MLS from the World Cup. And it is a collector's item. Even got the snapback sticker on it. It's great. That is my final it. thought. I love this. I love that we have this opportunity. And I speak as us, as, as American soccer and MLS. And, and, and I hope that we get a crack at Real Madrid just to see what it looks like. We played these big clubs and friendlies before. We've always talked about we got to get into the Club World Cup and play them in a meaningful competition. And we are now 90 minutes away from making that happen. We're going to have a special guest on Thursday, though, that's going to give us even more insight as to the preparations for the Seattle Sounders and what they're going to do to beat either Auckland City or Al-Ali. So come back and join us for that on Thursday. So on behalf of Producer Des, Producer Alex... Charlie Chuckwagon Davies, Hollywood Heath Pierce. I'm Conrad Dino, Jimmy Conrad, Cream Cheese Trash Can, saying thank you for listening to watching and supporting. In soccer, we trust as always, and we will see you on Thursday. Later. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. 
So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.